0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
1: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fight Soccer Podcast. It is September 19th, 2020, and at Atlanta United Lost to Inter-Miami 2-1 on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which had the roof open uh, for the first time in a long time. The goals uh, were scored in the second minute by Juan Agadello on a counterattack, and we'll get into that in a second. Atlanta United answered three minutes later with John Gallagher's first goal. Uh, Gallagher was starting in place of Ezekiel Barco, who was, again, a late scratch uh, for the team. But then Miami answered with a very, very easy goal um, just uh, six minutes later in the 11th minute by Breck Shea, a header. He was open at the back post. I think there was a miscommunication between Franco Escobar and Jake Moraney, but it was still Escobar's guy. Um, And that was it. Um, Kind of repeating what happened the first time these two teams met down in Miami, uh, the first time they played. uh, Atlanta United failed to get off a shot in the final 20 minutes. Its last shot uh, and last shot on goal was a very good opportunity, but Eric Torres, for the third time this season, couldn't put it away. To break all this down, I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net and 92.9 FM. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson, AJC. Jason, the team has lost, uh, or I'm sorry, hasn't won, or has, I'm sorry, <laughs> has won just one of its past 10 games has lost three consecutive, each to MLS expansion teams. It's uh, got 11 points this season. It's trending downward throughout the entire MLS standings. How can this team get it turned around? It just, again, an early goal, no shots when it needs shots. How, how can it get the season turned around?
0: That's to stop falling behind in matches. I mean, it's, it sounds overly simplistic, but when you're giving up – Goals and back-to-back matches in the first two minutes. I mean, you're creating a pathway to bad result It it just repeats itself, and then you give up a goal off of a throw-in. It's a Miami throw. And Again,
1: a, th- a goal. Uh, the uh, Nashville scored a goal off an Atlanta Niners throw-in. Uh, you've
0: this season conceded goals off of the opponent's corner kick, off of your own corner kick off of the opponent's throw-in, off of your own throw-in, off a free-kick. It's dead balls are, are just killing you. And you are losing focus. You're switching off. Um, we see teams consistently try to play quickly on dead balls because it's, a, it's an easy thing to focus on you know, ahead of a match with Atlanta United. They switch off, and it was a a time where Miles Robinson stepped out to the left because play transitioned quickly into Miami's attack, and he defended Lewis Morgan very well and forced a throw. And everybody hesitated, and it's a throw-in, and it results in a cross, and it results in a goal, and that decides the match. That decides the match, and the rest of it. And that's what's so difficult about it is, you know, you can look at chances created in the second half, and you can look at you know, shots in the, the final 15 minutes and go through all of that. You knew when Joseph Martinez got injured that goals were going to be hard to come by. You can't give up bad goals. You just can't give up bad goals. And giving up so many goals off of dead ball situations, it's giving up bad goals. Yeah. You give up early goals and give up bad goals, you're going to lose. You're going to lose, matches.
1: And Atlanta United really can consider itself lucky because it was about a yard of combined offsides from giving up two more goals. Two, two more goals Miami had in the first half were, were called back. And then yeah, – They then, were off.
0: They, I mean, they were correct, but they yeah, were – Yeah, yeah, they were, were
1: correct, but, you know. Uh, and then – you're was defending
0: an, to sure. try to get the offside. I mean, that's, let's, let's be fair about that one
1: there. That, yeah, that's true. Um, but then there was another set piece uh, in which John Gallagher had to make a lunging save of a Breck Shea shot, and you, you watched the highlight, and I was watching it uh, during halftime. They showed it on, on Fox Sports Southeast. Three Miami players got goal side of Atlanta United players. And Brad Guzan came out to, to make himself big and stop Leandro Gonzalez Perez's initial header. Breck Shea was the first to the loose ball, which was similar to the first goal with Agadello. And Gallagher got a cleat on it to stop it from going in. But that was another set piece that Atlanta United just didn't defend well
0: at all. No, you didn't. And it was a set piece where it's a great reaction from Brad Kazan to adjust because he was late coming out initially. And he's coming out to punch, and he has to adjust quickly, and he makes the save. He stays big, and he makes the, the block, which, is, I mean, it's a good save. But he's late to get to the ball, and then you ha- you're you scrambling. And, yeah, there were way, way too many players open at that moment. and. It's it's been consistent and it is down to focus, it is down to organization, it's down to communication, and it's been lacking all year long.
1: Miami's first goal. Steven Glass and Jeff Lernowitz both said all week long at Lion United talked about Miami's speed on the counter. You can't let them counter. If they start to counter, tackle them in their half or yep. wherever it is so that it can't happen. First two minutes. Turnover, Breck Shea splits two lines with a, with a nice pass to Agadello. Good hold-up play. He spins back, puts it into space to Lewis Morgan, who's open, streaking down the left wing. He puts a cross in. Miles Robinson makes a good recovery. Uh, I don't know who who's running with. But he got a, a foot on the initial cross, but no one picked up Agadello. Uh, three people were, were going to the guy closest to the goal. I can't really blame him for that at the time. But Agudelo's sitting there open, easy shot, easy goal. And then all of Atlanta United's tactics are just kind of – I don't want to say all are thrown out the window, but as you said, you're, again, chasing a game. It's just – it's – Stephen Glass, I think, is coaching the right things. They're just not being executed by the team. I don't know if he has to change his coaching style. He can't threaten to put more different players in because they've already gone through almost the whole roster other than George Campbell and Lawrence White, And none of those two goals tonight were the fault of Anton Walker, Miles Robinson, I think. I, I don't know what else can be done.
0: It's frustrating. Uh, that that first goal is exactly the moment you plan for against the Miami team. That that's going to be dangerous in transition. You have to deal with that group that is going to get out quickly. You've got to break the play up as, as early as you can. And, that situation, you're right, everybody collapsed and left Agadello. It's kind of a crazy one that just drives you nuts at this point because Miles Robinson slides in to clear the cross from Morgan and it deflects off of Anton Walks and it falls to Agadello, who is wide open, but it's a deflected clearance that gives mm. them a great opportunity. It's, it's just one of those things that drives you nuts. You can't have that transition in the first place that's where it breaks down because that creates the opportunity for deflections for those odd little things that can kill you, and they've been doing that all season long.
1: A bright spot for John Gallagher. Uh, his first goal for the club, a lovely left-footed, uh, hit very well shot into the, the, the upper left, the near post for him, uh, roofed the shot. Um, I thought that, that uh, playing in place of Ezekiel Barco tonight, he was very energetic. He had a barco like stat line, two shots, one goal, two chances created, five times fouled, one tackle, completed seventy-nine percent of his passes. I thought he played very well. It again makes me wonder why in the world the team was trying to get wing back for a season and a half. That's either here well, or there. I'm gonna
0: push back on that a little <laughs> bit, Doug. No, I'm gonna push back on it because I call the team's games and I know exactly what happened with that whole scenario you in 2018 Gallagher played some up top and then he played as a right winger and you at that time did not have a, a deep number of academy players who were able to step up and play for the second team you had some matches in a run of games where you had a bunch of matches with the first team and you were short-handed. and you didn't have a right-sided player at all to play as a right back first the first time he played in that position was as a right back in a line of four and it shocked all of us and Uh, Scott Donnelly, the manager at the time, told us that he didn't have any other options. And Gallagher volunteered to play it. And he played very, very well. And he got forward. I think he had an assist. He might have even scored a goal that night from the right back position. And he did it very well. And you had another game coming up three, four days later. He got another look in that spot. He went really, really well. So he wanted to continue there. The team wanted him to continue there. He continued to get better in that position, both defensively and in the attack. And that's what got Aberdeen's attention. And Aberdeen brought him over initially to play that kind of role. Now, at Aberdeen, he ended up playing a number of different roles. He played up top just a little bit. He played a lot as a number eight as a central midfielder, which I had never expected to see. Um, And then he comes back here and he plays on the left side. So he's added that versatility that is a good thing for him. He wouldn't have beaten out any of the players ahead of him with the first team as a forward or as a right winger purely that versatility has helped him get on the field more.
1: Okay. I didn't mean to get into Gallagher's bio, but that's all right. On the other side, yeah, no, Jake Moraney, I mean,
0: that's, why, that's It's not like the front office didn't know what they were doing with him. It's the fact that he had an opportunity and it got him on the field and honestly got him to the Scottish Premiership on loan.
1: On the other side, Jake Mulraney, who I've been hoping to see start simply because he does have speed can take opponents on off the dribble, which is something that I think has been lacking in the team. I thought he had a, a decent game. Um, he put in two fantastic crosses tonight. Uh, crosses that were gr- uh, better than Grussell-like, you could argue. Um, but Lainey, I couldn't get on the ends of them. Um, maybe Joseph Martinez could have. Who knows? But it was, it was a good sign, I thought, from, from him. I thought Adam Yon, uh, John, I keep mispronouncing his name. I don't know why. Uh, had had another solid game I still I'm not quite sure why that why he was taken out when Atlanta United knew it was going to start pumping in crosses Uh, Steven Glass said they had to try to balance the midfield um, and stop counterattacks but you're still losing by a goal Uh, even if you lose by two goals you still lost the game Um, so I'm curious to see if he'll get another start on Wednesday
0: he played well. His pressure on Robles created the turnover that led to the first goal. That was Adam John pressuring the goalkeeper that forced a, a bad clearance.
1: Um, I, I'm still just at a loss out how this team can't even get a shot off in the final 20 minutes when it's trailing by a goal. But because that's happened so frequently, it's just it's just how it is. The team is struggles to create chances. It struggles to create shots. Um even against a packed-in defense. Um, I was almost laughing. I was like, this would be a great game for Pitti to come in and take a pot shot from 30 yards, uh, which he'd like to do, because they need something right now because they're not creating anything otherwise.
0: When you're missing Pitti Martinez and you're missing Ezekiel Barco, uh, you see the lack of creativity, and you see why those players are important.
1: Yeah, Steven Glass and uh, Lerunovitz were asked about not having DPs after the game, because you know they they should be impactful for Major League Soccer teams if you spent your money well, and you know Glass said basically we can only control what we can control, and that's our work and that's doing everything correctly. Lorenowitz uh, was kind of dismissive of it, saying, "Well, nobody's looking around going, oh my God, we don't have any DPS. Everyone was doing their best." And he thought at the positions those players normally occupied, which would be Gallagher and Mulreny, and and Adam John, we thought they got good production tonight. Uh, I don't think that you can expect that consistently. Um, but we're going to have to find out uh, because Barco, this is the second time in a few weeks he's been a scratch with some sort of undisclosed injury. Uh, the team won't tell us what it is the day before a game. It seems to be becoming more of a trend than, than an outlier.
0: Yeah, in terms of the designated player stuff, I'm not worried about their roster designation. i when I say you know missing Pitty Martinez and Ezekiel Barco, I'm talking about the kinds of players they are. Not yeah, I was
1: just using that play. as an intro to that. I know,
0: thing. I know. Um, but I'm just I want to make that clear that you know when you're falling behind in games and you need to break down a deep line, a deep defending team that's when those kinds of players become more important. and That's when their absence becomes more important as well.
1: Atlanta United has a very, very tough game upcoming on Wednesday against FC Dallas, which has 19 points in the Western Conference. And then it goes to Chicago, uh, a city I love and regret I will not be able to go to this game next Sunday at Soldier Field, which has nine points. Uh, It's a huge game for Atlanta United. I tweeted this a bit ago. Based upon recent trends, it's closer to the bottom of a combined table than anything else. It is only one point out of ninth, three points out of eighth in the East. But it's just it's not trending the right direction right now. It's going to be playing this game on short rest. Dallas also played today, so it's going to have short rest for this game. But Dallas is playing really, really well in its past few games.
0: They have been. And they're getting production from their forward, Frank O'Hara. He had two goals on one on either side of halftime today. um, They're getting production from new players into the team. Um, This is a group that consistently cycles academy players through. And Luchi Gonzalez was formerly running the academy before he took over the first team. So he's bringing guys forward that he trusts. And They know what he's looking for. You've had a consistent style of play there going back to the Oscar Pereja days uh, when Lucci was in charge of the academy. You can go further back when Oscar Pereja was developing the players out of the academy. So they know exactly who they are, and they're able to bring new faces in and they fit. Atlanta's going to have to be very, very careful because Dallas is scoring a lot of goals. And if they get an early goal, as we've seen so often here lately, Atlanta – does not come from behind very well. They're not scoring enough. They're not creating enough chances to fall behind early.
1: Speaking of Pareja, Orlando with another big win tonight. Uh, they are. Um, Pareja has got. I mean, I know the coach of the year will be go. will go to whoever wins MLS Cup, but he's got to be among the front runners for that award. Um, he should
0: get it no matter what. Um, unless you would think, but maybe it never. Maybe Philadelphia happens. and like Jim Curtin or something or
1: Schmetzer uh in yeah Syria.
0: he always seems to get it um i think in terms of coaching job from what we've seen so far it's pareja for me with uh curtain second
1: the the rest of the mls tonight is, is some decent games houston minnesota that that was a tight game um dc came back and scored two goals which is kind of shocking for them uh to tie toronto Uh, Columbus did what it needed to do to to defeat Nashville, Cincinnati, beat Red Bulls, uh, which is just really a a team that's struggling almost as much as Atlanta United. And New England and NYCFC tied 0-0 earlier tonight. Uh, No East Coast teams, I think. Are there any games involving Eastern Conference teams tomorrow? Yeah, Montreal, Philadelphia. I'm sorry. That's
0: right. I think there was something tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that that should be a good game as well. all right, Jason, what do you have upcoming uh, this week on SoccerDownHere.net?
0: Yeah, we got Overreaction Monday at 9 a.m. You can listen on the website, SoccerDownHere.net. You can listen on our app, which you can download for Android or for iOS. You can watch on Twitch.tv SoccerDownHere as well. And we start at 9, usually go till around 11. I uh, will also have soccer over there Monday evening where we'll get into the European seasons, but also the Copa Libertadores down in South America. Lots of crazy stuff happened in, over the last week in South America as the intercontinental competition or the continental competition got started. Uh, and then they'll have another match week this week in the Libertadores. So we'll get you set for that as well.
1: How about Everton? Thomas
0: uh, yeah. Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, well, here's my thing about Rodriguez. This the, – the pattern with him always seems to be he starts off well at whatever club he's at and then he kind of – opponents kind of figure him out and then he just kind of vanishes uh, for whatever reason. Um, vanishes is a little harsh. Well, I don't have a better word for it right now. It's 10.39 at night and I'm tired. <laughs> um, he's not as effective. How about that? Um,
0: uh, don't tell me you look at Hamas like you did Pizzi.
1: ah uh, no, Pity I have a different opinion of. Uh, Pitti, I think, is a good player. I think that – so let me ask you this. Do you think Major League Soccer is better than the Argentine League?
0: Um, it's different. I, and it depends on what teams you're comparing. At the top, River and Boca are at another level. Um, mm-hmm. You get below that, it's comparable. When you get towards the bottom, MLS is better.
1: Yeah. So I, th- I
0: think in Argentina are poor.
1: I think top to bottom, Major League Soccer is better than the Argentine League. I think the top of the Argentine League is, is infinitely better than Major League Soccer, but it is trying to do better. I, I think,
0: don't think it's a, like a lot better. I, I think it's different. It's a very different style of play because I watch a good bit of the Argentine League. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a league I watch as much as, or watch second most to MLS. And it's a different style. It's a different kind of game. You don't see nearly as much high pressure, for example. Um, you don't see as much pressure on the ball. Players have more space. The game's a little bit slower paced. Uh, dribbling is, is more encouraged and rewarded, and, and fans react to it in a different way. So it's a little hard to compare because the style is so different. But Boca and River are at a different class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what I was going to say is, I think Pitty coming here, I think he thought it was going to be easier than what it turned out to be. I, I think he thought he was going to dominate a little bit more than than the little bits that he was able to do so, and that's among the reasons that it didn't work. I, I think he's, I think he's that level of player. He's like, a, I don't know how to describe it, but in American sports terms, kind of like the four A baseball player dominates Triple A doesn't quite do it at Major League Baseball, but the parallel is not even close to exact because I think the Argentine League is better than the equivalent of AAA baseball.
0: Uh, yeah, but it's no, so, I
1: something so. like that. Right. Uh, Public people understand
0: that. I, I think it's it's more of a comparison of Piffy never truly adjusted to the MLS style of play. It's not a better or worse conversation. It's a different conversation yeah that's fair
1: I can live with that. go
0: back and go back and listen to what Diego Maradona talked about when he went to Serie A uh, coming from La Liga where he was only at Barcelona for a year and La Liga at that time was a a bloodbath incredibly physical it was not the La Liga we think of today but when he went to Serie A he said it took him you know over a year to adjust to the way the game was played and he had to adjust how he played to that and he didn't feel comfortable at first he didn't feel comfortable for a while I don't know if Pitek got comfortable and this year after the injuries and the stop start motion he wasn't going to get comfortable this year it wasn't going to happen
1: um what i'm curious about is if he goes to saudi arabia and starts you know putting up some good stats if everyone's going to say oh atlanta united misused him i don't think that's it at all i think the saudi arabian league is a lot easier than major league soccer and that's probably why he's playing well which kind of goes back to my not very good parallel of the Class A baseball player versus the
0: Major The, the Saudi – well, the Saudi <laughs> League is not playing in right now. He's playing in the Asian Champions League. And, and that's a different comparison. The Saudi League, I'm with you, it's not as strong as MLS. The Asian Champions League is a is top-quality competition. It's not the country versus Doris. It's not the – Champions League in Europe, obviously, but is it the you know the equivalent of the Concacaf Champions League? Yeah, I'd say it is. And he's doing well immediately over there, and we'll see how it goes for him. I hope he does well. I hope it goes well because that would be a good look for Atlanta United if he goes and does well.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to try to scratch something out as a follow Sunday for Monday. So please look for that tomorrow on AJC.com. And as you know, I'll tweet out the link uh, at Doug Robertson AJC on Twitter. Please follow Jason Longshore and John Nelson and the guys at SoccerDownHere.net, please follow whatever Jason does on 92.9 because he does so many different things. I've kind of lost track of all of them. Please follow Dirty South Soccer, follow all those guys. And as I keep saying, really follow any particularly newspaper beat coverage within MLS. Uh, Michelle in Miami, Kevin in Los Angeles, Stephen in D.C., Jonathan in Philadelphia, Alex in Salt Lake, all those guys. I I'm, I'm leaving people out. but I, Julia in Orlando. Yeah, Julia in Orlando, Drake in Nashville. Um, please,
0: please. Cincinnati. That's another one I thought
1: of. Uh, yep, Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> Columbus doesn't have a beat guy anymore, I don't think. Uh, uh, I thought
0: Jacob was still doing
1: it. Uh, he might be. Follow them, please. Um, newspapers thrive on subscriptions and advertising money. And I I was laughing about this the other day. This work from home thing has turned, has caused a lot of newspaper ownership groups to get rid of offices. So a lot of people are now going to work from home permanently. And I was kind of joking with my wife that everyone thought digital was going to be the thing that saves newspapers. And it turns out it might be a lack of overhead that saves newspapers. Um, No rent, no business, no building expenses, no nothing. But they still need subscriptions. So if you have another MLS team that you have some sort of secondary interest in, please follow the Beat Reporter if they have one. Okay? Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United, two-to-one losers to enter Miami at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I wish I could have been there with a the roof open. It's always nice. Uh, Atlanta United has won just one of its past ten games. It will host Dallas on Wednesday again at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, we're expecting an announcement of a designated player anytime soon. Stephen Glass would not bite on that question tonight from one of the uh, pool reporters from Major League Soccer. Didn't expect him to, but that's okay. Um, but we'll have that whenever it's officially announced. All right, guys. Please take care. Please be safe and. Again, please subscribe to this podcast.